Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got a phenomenal guest today, John Shower. He was in the Marine Corps through the mid-2000s and attributes a lot of who he is and decision-making from the experience during that time in his life. After sustaining injury during active duty and going through some intense rehab, he realized he had a deep passion towards the fitness industry. In 2010, he started a personal training business for professional tennis athletes, helping them through injury to peak performance. Over the last few years, John's journey has led him into the technology startup scene, where he's made plenty of mistakes, like all of us probably have. He's had lots of fun and learned a lot. And most recently, he's worked with Inc. Digital Networking, SmartSpace AI, and Blackbird Secure. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Neil. Hey, John, I've known you a while. You're a great friend and you have an amazing life story. How did John become John? That's a, uh, that's a novel in itself. Uh, but how, how I became myself is, is I guess in a, a culmination primarily of, uh, Growing up with a dad who, although strict, was big into uh, following passion, no matter what that meant in life, uh, over anything else. And uh, fast forward into the military time in my life, um, losing a lot and gaining a lot in different aspects and uh, growing a lot at a young age to kind of, I guess, propel me um, into what I've become today, which is, I guess, risk taker and, and moving into things I enjoy or feel passionate about. Well, John, that's fantastic. I, I, you know, I know your your uh, father, not just a veteran, but also a state senator. Uh, maybe you could share with us what state and a little bit more about your bringing. Yeah, so uh, I originally grew up in Alaska. So um, actually, when my my parents retired, they retired back in Alaska. My my dad's currently a state senator uh, up there now. Um, he was a fighter pilot for over 20 years, definitely the largest role model in my life. Um, flew the F-15 and F-22 Raptor, very cool, wow. cool jets if, uh, if you're not familiar, and then uh, became a FedEx pilot, um, and ultimately over the last couple of years uh, got into the state Senate. Um, now they're pushing him to, to go higher, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough world when you get into that game. So um, definitely somebody I've, I've aspired to always um, do well for and, and use as a role model in my life. So, well, that that's awesome, and I applaud your your service. So, thank you for that. You know, my my old college roommate actually went into the army, and you know, I, I really thank our our veterans because they keep me and my family safe and all of us safe. What kind of inspired you to join the Marines? Um, I, you know, I'm not going to lie and say it was a hundred percent, because it was, you know, just after 9/11, that was the sole cause. A uh, piece of it was because I was doing dumb things, and I was 18 years old. Um, I had maxed out a lot of credit cards as well, and and did some construction that I didn't like. Uh, so that definitely a rebel side was a piece of it. Um, there was a, a sense of wanting to serve the country, and every man in my family uh, was military. You know, grandfather, uncle, dad. So um, there was definitely a big piece of that for me as well. 
Uh, nobody was in the Marine Corps. And as I said, I was a little rebellious. So I wanted to go towards something at the time that I thought was uh, uh, difficult and cool. And I found out pretty quickly that it was uh, a little more interesting than I thought. thought. Well, I, I, I'm grateful you did that, you know, because there are definitely far less productive ways to spend your time or uh, kind of uh, rebound for some of these things. And I, and I know it's not an easy thing to do. I don't think people realize how tough it is to be uh, in the military, especially during that time and the, the, the toll it takes. But again, thank you for your service. So thank you. How, how, if you don't mind asking, you suffered a bad injury, you had to go through rehab and not that I saw combat action, but I had my own bad injury and had to do like a year of physical therapy. Uh, what can you tell us, man? I mean, what happened and what did you learn from it? Um, I guess from the, I had went on a few deployments through the mid 2000s. Um, I, I ended up getting out after one term in 2010. Uh, if, if I could kind of culminate everything together, um, I, I learned a lot about myself, adversity, uh, struggling, uh, pain, and I think a lot of those pieces are what people should go through, um, in essence, to grow stronger and, and learn from. Um, that's definitely a big piece of the puzzle. Uh, I, I ended up sustaining injuries to my shoulder. Uh, so I, I had a full reconstructive surgery done uh, on my left shoulder, and uh, that was in 2009. Uh, I ended up being in a rehab program for a year and I was in a super dark place during that time. Um, it took the person doing the rehab to kind of pull me out mentally and physically from where I was at that time. Uh, but it, but it was the joy that I kind of had brought back to life with what I was going to be able to do physically that kind of started changing my mind. And Hey, when I get out of the military, um, I'm very interested in helping other people that are injured, uh, general post-surgery rehab type individuals, uh, but specifically athletes at a high level, because that's what was interesting to me, uh, was being challenged and then watching somebody uh, kind of take it to that next level from a discipline perspective. So that's a piece. Um, I, I will say, because I think it is important, um, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old in that age frame, um, and you're more in a combat related um, part of the military, which was my background. Um, you learn a lot, especially when the country's in a time of warfare. Uh, and when you lose people and you lose things around you at a young age, um, I think you learn a lot at that period that usually takes till you're 70, 80, maybe years old, until you start kind of losing the people around you and all that. So um, I, I take very seriously the, the idea of, you know, overcoming adversity, um, team building, you know, building independence. So there's just a lot of characteristics that I think that time period really kind of set a foundation for uh, leading into me uh, going through rehab, getting out of the Marine Corps and saying, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go jump in the fitness industry in Southern California. Wow. I, I can empathize. I mean, like I said, I went through a year of physical therapy myself and had to learn how to walk again. So I understand dark places. I understand the importance of optimistic attitude, but I'm glad that you found something to kind of focus your efforts on. You wanted to help people rehab. You got into fitness, especially I think tennis training. What, what was the journey towards that? 
Uh, it, it was interesting, uh, serendipitous a little bit as well. Uh, I had initially went to Orange Coast College out here. Um, I had done a two-year fitness degree, was doing a lot of little certifications on the side, uh, dealing more with general post-surgery rehab, uh, injury-related certifications. Um, I ended up randomly running into a personal trainer that I had became friends with, who was a former Marine as well, uh, and did train a professional athlete who happened to be a tennis player. Um, he was moving one day. I was looking to start my business one day. Um, I was at an LA fitness at the time, kind of doing the corporate piece, corporate side of it, if you will, um, used him to kind of learn how do I start my own business in this industry? Uh, wasn't as hard as I thought and, um, took that one athlete and took him from an injury, uh, a knee injury at the time, uh, back to playing and um, kind of leveraged him and building a program around him to expand that business uh, here in Orange County. So that that was that was kind of my transition into that in, in 2010. And then over the course of about five years, uh, I, I built that business up in the area. Oh, that's fantastic, John. So you're, uh, is it okay to call you a tennis savant then? So if you put me on a tennis court, I'll be smashed to the ground really fast. Uh, I'm, I'm actually about as horrible as you could possibly be at tennis. Uh, what I'm good at is knowing where their weaknesses are and helping them with range of motion, flexibility, um, and specific injuries that most tennis players uh, either have or could potentially receive if, if not uh, structurally fixed. So I'm good at that side and then dealing with agility, coordination, speed, strength and conditioning. I do nothing to touch the game itself. Um, and I've been hit with a few tennis balls from clients of mine and uh, learned that it's, it's probably not the sport for me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think actually knowing strengths and weaknesses is probably more important than just teaching someone how to hit the ball. Yes. It's, it's a very mental and strategic game. So you went from Alaska to the Marines to kind of a tennis rehab strategist. How on earth did you wind up in technology? Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs jump into something due to a frustration. That was definitely mine. Um, I don't want to go into the cliche piece of, uh, you know, I was frustrated with this and it led me to do this. So I, I will say kind of to step back briefly just to, to my father in the military specifically, because it's I think it's important for this piece uh, for people that may be listening and, and care to hear it. Uh, my dad was a passion guy, and he told me, if you want to drive trash can trucks your whole life, but that's what you really love, uh, I'll support you. Um, and so that instilled in me very young, you know, I don't have to go to college. Uh, I don't have to get a degree. I don't have to do this. I can follow what I love. Um, Fast forward into the Marine Corps piece. Uh, in the Marine Corps, when uh, for me, when I lose things close to me, uh, especially during some of the initial years, I felt uh, life is short. Uh, I want to live life not making decisions that I could regret, uh, doing things that I love, doing things that I truly enjoy. So from that point of my life forward, I said, if I find something I like or I enjoy, I'm going to jump in and go for it. Because I really don't know what's going to happen next year. And a lot of guys lost you know sadly everything at 18 19 and never had the chance so my mentality really shifted into that it's one life don't let society's influence of having to do this or that affect you so 
that's kind of why I also really pushed into the fitness game, knowing that, hey, if something comes along at some point that I really enjoy, I'm going to give that a chance too. Um, I was trying to expand my fitness business and I went to an event and I could not network properly with anybody. And I was like, dang, I don't know anything about technology, but if there was an app that can help me connect in this room, that would be beautiful. And, um, Ooh, did I not understand the tech game? And I tried jumping in head first and it was an interesting couple of years. Well, I, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about ink. I thought it was a great idea. That's actually how we originally met. Tell us a little bit more about Inc., right? How did you get that started? And I know you learned a few good lessons. Yeah, the, yeah, the, general, the general concept of Inc. was um, we have tools like Eventbrite. We have tools like Meetup. So we have tools that can check us into events. And at events, there's a lot of people. And there's also digital business cards and regular business cards, all these things. But for me, there wasn't a way to combine the two very effectively. So I thought, hey, if you could have a digital business card on your app, scan it in when you go in, see everybody in the room from your phone, the organizer can win because they get analytics and a deeper tool to engage their audience. A user, a regular person gets a benefit because they can then see who's in the room, uh, maybe find the right people, network better and, and communicate after. Um, and so it was a dual kind of use case business model for event organizers and an end user from like a CRM standpoint. That was the concept. Um, you know, I, I had raised some capital as you had known and, and jumped into that. Um, but boy, did I learn many things over the years. And, and one was for sure, um, I should have leveraged my community a lot more before uh, jumping into the game, going to local events and meetups to meet people within the startup uh, community uh, that could have opened my eyes to meeting developers, uh, meeting people within this realm. Uh, so I think outreach in the community is a big thing. If I could, if I could do it over, um, that I would have done differently. Um, there, there's a lot of things within this where it comes to the way you outsource development, uh, the initial people you would bring on the team and co-found it with. I mean, there's a long list. Uh, so I mean, we can definitely dive into that pretty deep if you'd like. Well, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I think the best place to start actually is uh, you were uh, running a tech startup without being a technologist per se, at least by, by, by trade. And you know, I always say that some of the best emerging tech startups I've ever seen were actually started by people that are not technologists, they're like domain experts, they're like lawyers or accountants or doctors. Why is that? I think people, too many people think it's a stumbling block not knowing the technology, but you saw an opportunity and you went after it, not, not saying like, hey, I, I understand full stack programming, but you saw an opportunity. Did you ever think like, I'm not a technologist, this is a barrier, or just like, look, I'm, I, I got a good thing, let's roll with it? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I think that a piece of me was definitely naive, uh, thinking, man, like, you know, can it really be that difficult? I mean, I get a couple people together, you know, we bang this out. I got the mindset. I've already drawn everything out on paper. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kick this thing off. Um, so yeah, a little bit of naiveness, but at the same token, no matter how difficult it would have been or would be, I would have done the same thing as far as jumping in uh, because my values from the past created that in me is, you know, take the risk, 
Um, because at least if I fail, I can look back and say, I gave it a try. So I, I was going to do it anyways. Um, it, it's just, there were things I could have done differently that now I know that that would have definitely made it a little bit easier. I, it, but one simple thing, just thinking of it right now was uh, finding industry experts. I, I would have done that. I would have found other people within the Eventbrite space, even in the community, searching their names on LinkedIn, you know, people that have created digital business cards, anything within my space, I would have reached out to those industry experts just to have conversations with them um, or potential people like myself that I could have gathered, kind of like A-B testing, I could have gathered in a room and sat with a lot more than I did to fine tune things. Well, I think it's interesting because you bring up the point about the domain expertise and tapping into that. I think that's something that often gets overlooked. I remember a buddy of mine asked me to take a look at these guys that said they had revolutionized the film camera. There are three really smart engineers and they're talking about all the cool features and the DPI and all these things. And I just looked at them and I said like, hey, you know, have you talked to the studios? Have you talked to, and then they're like, yeah, no one seems to be interested. So I, I just asked them like, you know, well, how many movies have you guys ever been part of? And they're like zero. I'm like, do you guys know how movies are made? They're like, well, you have the camera and you film it, right? And there's a script and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how movies are made. There's multiple camera angles, you single camera angle, panning motion and, you know, I just started glazing over and like, well, you don't have to make a movie that way. I'm like, maybe not, but you, you can't make, say I'm changing how movie cameras work if you don't know how they're actually used. And that turned out to be their biggest problem. They didn't have that expertise. So I think what you're saying on that front is actually really important, but are there networking experts? I mean, is there expertise in something like this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think so. I mean, it, if we're talking about, you know, what, what's the behavior of an average person within my target demographic when I was doing that, I mean, even reaching out to like a BNI style organization where maybe it's not the perfect candidate, but it's groups that are in counties across the U.S. that do understand, you know, what do we do when we're together? How do we attain value from each other? Um, and even creating a group of thought leaders in that capacity that could have helped push things along um, definitely would have been key. And also it, it's a technology startup. So probably putting in the time to find somebody technological uh, would definitely have helped. E even if I was outsourcing uh, internationally or domestically, depending on your thoughts and what you're doing and, and having that eye there to help you oversee that piece. Um, so yeah, that and that's another big thing that I should have done and, and needed help on as well. That sounds like some good lessons learned, but. You also something very key before, which was about taking risk, right? I think too many people think risk is a bad thing. Risk is just uncertainty, right? It could be a positive risk, which is opportunity or a negative risk, which is a threat, right? You, you're kind of wired. I, I think, I hate to say it this way, it seems like less than 10% of the population is wired to be an entrepreneur. It seems like you're wired that way. What made you like a risk seeker? Um, you know, the to really send it home, it's uh, my father definitely instilled that in me. And to this day, like he, he would have said four years ago, the Senate will never, that would never happen. Um, and he did it. And, you know, that kind of mentality of, of passion following along with me 
seeing certain things I saw during my time in the Marine Corps to say, life is precious and it sounds cliche. And, and a lot of people say, oh, you know, I can hear that on a million YouTube videos of like wannabe motivation. Um, the reality is if you do experience painful things in times um, and realize the value of life, and that's difficult for a lot of Americans because overall America hasn't really struggled on the home front, uh, like a lot of countries and third world countries around the world are going through on a daily basis. Um, but you know, when you go through that, for me, it was saying, um, it's okay to take risk and, and I can rebuild if I need to. Um, but that's kind of who I am is, is somebody who wants to follow that. Um, there's a quote that for me, uh, I've written on a little whiteboard. I'm looking at it right now because it's by my door, um, which I believe was from John F. Kennedy. And it was, there are costs and risks to action, but they are far less than the long range risks of comfortable inaction. Right. And it's, for me, that's something that I've ingrained in my head and I think of over and over and over. So, no, that's great. It actually reminds me of what is the Michael Jordan's quote about you missed every shot you don't take. Yeah, 100%. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm big into that. And, and I think it's important for people to see, like, even young people, and I tell our, our 12 year old this all the time, um, and even his cousin, she's 14. You know, I sit with her and say, you know, I'm like, what do you want to be? And it's, you know, I need to be a doctor and I need to be this. And I'm like, what do you want to do? And what do you want to be? Because that's more important to me. I, I don't want you to feel like you have to do this. You have to go to college and, and that's your path. Uh, you, you can really do whatever you want. Um, as long as you're passionate, you're going to work hard at it and, and you're going to give it your all. You should be okay with taking risks. It's okay. Well, I, I, I get that. I think a lot of people get, yeah, I got to take risks, got to roll the dice. But when push comes to shove, a lot of people, they're not that risk seeking, right? They're, they're not really willing to do it. What's your advice to them? How can they be a little bit more risk seeking? Um, I guess uh, you could start with, with small things where you do little things in your daily life that you wouldn't usually do. Um, change up the routine, um, go on an adventure, a hike that you haven't, haven't ever done before. Um, you know, go on a trip somewhere. Oh, it's, weird to say that during this kind of period of, of COVID, but um, I think if you can take, make small changes in your daily routine in life, that can help change that synapsis piece of your brain to, to take on a little more risk or um, start surrounding yourself with people in something towards the realm in, in which you're interested in, you know, like if, if I would have, I'll tell you what, I would have pulled the trigger faster than I did if I would have started going into some of the community groups uh, and meeting people within the tech startup space, which I met none of when I started. Uh, if I would have done that and seen other people in my community hustling and jumping into things they didn't know, I would have been like, damn, okay, I'm not the only one. Um, there's other people here and I and maybe I can link up with them and we can start relating. And, and that's risk, that, that's helping de-risk uh, de my situation by having other people involved with me. So um, those are definitely a few things I, I guess you can do from a, from an individual standpoint. I want to make sure I understand this right. So you get someone to take a little more risk. It's not about, well, go out and go skydiving. It's like maybe take a different route home, right, as a start. Sure, because I'll tell you what, you can tell most people to skydive and they're going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll put that on my, my to-do <laughs> list never. And, and, and sometimes it's the little, the little tiny changes you do and, and you, know, you know what, I wouldn't normally do that or I wouldn't normally have done that, but, uh, but I'll give it a whirl. So yeah, that and... and 
finding community things going on that is out of your realm or in that space in which you're trying to get involved in. Because when you see other people doing something that you like um, or that you're interested in, at least that might help prompt you to say, I'm not the only one. And there are other people out there doing this and giving it a shot. Well, I always talk about that. Everyone has their comfort zone, but the magic happens outside your comfort zone. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's the magic happens outside your comfort zone. Um, a lot of the magic happens, you know, when you go outside of that comfort zone and you do something wrong and you learn from it uh, and, and you fail something. Uh, and, I, and I think the more you do make those little changes and, and tweak things and, and do something wrong, that also builds that tolerance to be able to um, inherit more risk and move forward in, into whatever you're doing too. So, 100%. Small changes add up. It's my mantra. So, I got to ask, John. So, you went out, you became a Marine, you had to go through a year of rehab at one point. You, you went into the, the tennis game, you became a tech entrepreneur. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff. What do you think is the riskiest thing you've ever done? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I, honestly, I the riskiest thing I ever done. Um, I mean, I would I would imagine it was probably joining the Marine Corps. That that probably was the riskiest thing I'd done. I, I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, just a hot headed eighteen year old uh, dummy at the time. So. That'd probably be the, if I were to say what would be the riskiest thing, I'm, I'm trying to think of what my dad and I have done, uh, flying little Cessna planes over glaciers and, and some of the other things we've, we've played around with. But I, I would, I would have to say the, probably joining the Marine Corps. Uh, well, risk again to every, to our audience is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just uncertainty. And for, I think for John, it sounds like it was very much a positive risk. It was a great opportunity that definitely at least net, netted some good experience and some good lessons learned. Correct. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, in, if I were to tag onto that, it, it's the, it, it, it sounds funny, but it's, I, I failed a lot, uh, but I have never failed to try again. And I think if you can keep kind of your headset in that space, you, you'll be all right. Awesome. I love that. That's great advice, right? I, I may have failed, but I've never failed to try again. Words for all of us to live by. Well, John, you have an amazing story. If people want to stay in touch with you, what's the best way to stay connected? Uh, they, they can write me at uh, John, that's without an H. So it's uh, J-O-N, John, at blackbirdsecure, all one word, dot com. Uh, that'd probably be the easiest way to uh, reach me today. All right, well, great. We'll make sure that's in the show notes for our audience so it's easy to access. John, thank you for so much for coming on Changing the Story and sharing your story, your inspiration, your journey. I think it's been very helpful for all of us. And I think it's been a little bit enlightening to say that, you know, all of us can do something special. I agree. I, I thank you for having me on the show today. And it was uh, it's a pleasure always uh, from another man that goes to the same barber. I, I appreciate the time <laughs> and, and, and thank you. For those of you that are listening in audio, you're going to have to watch the video for a change to understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you thank you so much audience thank you and we'll see you on another episode of changing the story hey if you like today's show please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment if you've been enjoying the changing the story podcast series 
please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.